0: Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Good evening. evening. So before I get started with the message today, I do want to say thank you, uh, because this is my last Sunday here as far as uh, being a college student. Uh, So thanks to the congregation. Uh, and I know some of you could be here, some of them couldn't be here in attendance tonight. Uh, but just for all they've done for me, uh, Sally, I know you've been here from the start and just always encouraging me and uplifting me throughout uh, Sundays and Wednesdays with the kids. And uh, it's been a lot to me. Also, uh, thanks to Jared and his family. I remember like uh, the first, I think, few weeks I was here, uh, you guys invited me to your house and gave me dinner. You've always supported me. Jared discipled me, uh, growing me as a Christian. Uh, that stuff will, will last long, long after I leave here. And so I want to say thank you to you guys and all you've all you done for me first before I kind of get started tonight. Um, and so this, this message, though, uh, in 2 Peter tonight uh, is really appropriate because it's Peter's last message before he dies. Now, obviously, I'm not dying or anything. I'm just leaving <laughs> uh, to, to do the next step of my life. But I think it's appropriate to kind of give you some last words and something that I want to leave you with to encourage you by uh, when I'm not here. Uh, So one thing I see that's uh, a problem during my time at Greenville, I'm about to graduate Greenville University as well, uh, is a lot of people that call themselves Christians don't really know what it means to follow Jesus. They don't really know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They think that following Jesus means, uh, maybe I know who Jesus is, or maybe I went to church every now and then, I went to a church camp back in the day. But they don't want to follow the Bible, they want to live the same sinful lifestyle they've always lived and still call themselves a follower of Jesus. Well, that's a problem because those two don't go together. If you're a true follower of Jesus, that means it's a change of heart. And when you have that change of heart, you change the way you live. It means you try to live for Him in all areas of your life. Not just in church, not just in work, or not just in your private life, but you try to live for Jesus in everything you do. Now, you may not be perfect. You may uh, still sin after you accept Jesus as your Savior, but you actively try to live for Him in all you do. And so, Second Peter uh, really outlines that good for us. And so, our passage tonight is in Second Peter, chapter one, verses three through three through fifteen. And it says, "His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them." you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, they they will be richly provided for you, an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. If you would, bow with me and pray. Lord, we ask as we dive into Second Peter, and really dive into your word on what this means tonight, uh, we ask that my words are not mine, but they're yours, Lord. Did you speak through me tonight? Uh, we ask that your Holy Spirit is upon uh, this church, Lord. It says in your word that when two or more gather gathered in your name, you're in the midst of them. We ask that uh, you're in the midst of us tonight, Lord. Uh, we ask that uh, we understand what it means to be a true follower of you. That it's not just knowing who you are, but it's actively trying to follow your word. Teach us what your word says tonight and how we're supposed to live as Christians and be a light into this world, especially during this Advent season. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So the first part of this passage, if you look into verse 4, it says, "...by which He had granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire." What that means is that if we're Christians, if we say, I want to follow Jesus, then Jesus gives us these very great and awesome promises. Now, before we get to those promises, it says in order to follow Jesus, if you're going to say you're a follower of Jesus, that means first that you have escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So in order to be a Christian, to be a true follower of Jesus, it means you put sinful desire behind you. You put to death your old lifestyle, your sinful desire. So what is sinful desire? What is that old lifestyle I'm talking about? Well, if you go back into the garden, of Adam and Eve, the first humans that were created. When God created them, He put them in the Garden of Eden, which was a perfect place. There was no sin, there was no death, no illness, no pain, no suffering. It was a perfect place to live in. They had all the food they could have ever wanted. They had trees, they had animals. It was a beautiful uh, and perfect place with no corruption. And God said, I'm only going to give you one rule. Don't eat from this one tree. You can have any tree in the garden, any of the food i provided for you, which is well enough to sustain you for life, but just don't eat from this one tree. And as you guys probably know, Adam and Eve ate from that one tree. They said, I want to follow my will, not God's will. I want to do what's pleasing in the moment, not what's going to last for a long time. And the same is true in our lives today. Uh, So often today we choose what's going to be pleasing in the moment. What do I want to do? What is my will? And so we choose my will instead of God's will. And because of that, we have separated ourselves from God. Uh, and that's what sinful desire is to me. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's something that's a self-promoting deal. So some of the things that go along with that self-promoting uh, deal is uh, lust, greed, power. That's, that's all sinful thing. It can be sinful because especially power. If you look into politics today, uh, the presidential election, uh, senator elections, governor elections... People will say or do anything to have power. It's this self-fulfilling thing. That's what sinful desire does. Pretty much all sin is rooted because of this self-fulfilling thing. Because we want something right now, we don't want to wait for it. Or God's will says this, but we won't do something now. And so we choose this. And so this sinful desire is something that uh, benefits us in the moment, uh, but it's not something God wants for us. It's something that God doesn't command us to do. And so because of that... um, uh, like I said, we separate ourselves from God and God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. So if we put our faith and trust in him, then we're forgiven of that sins and we have a relationship again with God. He renews that relationship that we broke because of our sinful and selfish desires. Now, when we when we accept Jesus as our savior, uh there is some there are some things that God um, guarantees us to have. They're called promises. One of those promises is the Holy Spirit. That throughout the rest of our lives here on earth, Jesus gives us His Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit guides us through life. It guides us to do the right thing. The thing that God wants us to do. It guides us to God's will. It comforts us. It protects us. And it supports us through life. And also, God guarantees us that if we follow Him, we'll have eternal life when we die. One day when we leave this earth, we'll spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And that's a pretty amazing thing. Uh, in itself. And he also uh, gives us the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self control. And who would want that stuff? And so, being a follower of Jesus, you know, a lot of people in society look at that and say, well, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want eternal life. I want love. I want joy. You know, I don't, I don't want to go uh, to hell for my sinful desires. And I, I want to be connected with God again. And, and that's awesome. But they also don't realize that following Jesus means you follow his lifestyle. You follow his word. And that's what I'm going to focus this message on tonight in Second Peter. To be a true follower of Jesus, to have that eternal life, to have um, these promises he gives us, it means you're actively trying to follow his word. And this is what it means. If you look into verse 5, it says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. What this is, it all roots around faith. If you look back in the first part of verse 5, it says, make every effort to supplement your faith with this stuff. So if you have faith in Jesus, if you say, I follow Jesus, I know He died on the cross for my sins, and I want to be connected with God again, I want to follow Him in my life, then these qualities that list below, you'll exhibit in your life. So one way to see a non-Christian from a Christian is, do they exhibit these qualities in their life? Number one is knowledge. Now what I mean by knowledge is a constant study of God's word throughout your life. A lot of Christians think that, you know, I've read uh, part of the scriptures, or maybe I read the Bible once, so I'm good, and never read the Bible again. The Bible is a living word. That means it applies to every second of your life. And so you might have read a passage 50 times But then 20 years later, that passage means something different to you right right there in the moment. Because God's word is living and it's constantly speaking to us. So one way to hear from God and to learn from God is to constantly be in his word. Whether that be a daily devotion you do. Or maybe it's just you read a chapter a day in the word. Um, But constantly being in God's word is important. One of the reasons it's important is because when your faith is tested, if you're in God's word, you're likely to respond in the right way. When your faith is tested and you're not constantly in God's word, you're likely to respond in the wrong way. What do I mean by that? There was a Christian artist, I'm not going to name names, but this past week, uh, that probably makes millions of dollars a year uh, selling Christian music. Uh, She's a popular artist out there, and the interviewer asked her, uh, what do you think about homosexuality? What do you think the Bible says about that? And she goes, you know what, I don't really know what the Bible says about that. I'm not really sure what God would say about that, but I know I have a lot of homosexual friends and God loves me and loves them. So I don't really know if it's wrong or not. What that tells me is that she's not really diving into God's word. She doesn't really know what the Bible says. I mean, if you're a Christian artist and promoting that you're this great Christian figure, but you don't know, you don't even know what sin is from non-sin, that's a problem. That's a huge issue. And so the first thing to really see Christians from non-Christian is do you have knowledge of god's word are you constantly filling yourself with the bible and what god's word says because if not it will show up it may not show up right now but it will show up later especially when your faith is tested like the artist was this week the, the next one is uh, self-control this is something to me that i see as a problem with a lot of pastors and youth pastors and christians today that maybe they struggle with a temptation or a sin Uh, And they don't have self-control. They don't know how to avoid that temptation. Uh, And so you see a lot of pastors that get into sexual trouble, or they do something on the weekends, or something that makes the big news, and uh, and it gives all Christianity a bad rep because of that. Uh, The deal is, now I'm going to tell you a real simple advice: how to stay away from something, uh, temptation. Say, for instance, that you have trouble being drunk. You know, I I know it says alcohol is okay in the Bible. It says don't be drunk. So say you have a problem. Uh, with overconsumption of alcohol. Well, if somebody invites you to a social event or somebody invites you to a work party and you know alcohol is present, then don't put yourself in temptation. Don't put yourself in that situation to fail. Don't set yourself up to fail in life. Go to things and go to events that you know you're not going to have that temptation. Uh, And so what I mean by that is if you have to go to that event, then maybe bring a partner alongside you. Bring an accountability partner. Somebody that's not going to let you fall into that sin. Somebody that when you maybe when you start drinking or something says, "Hey Bradley, that, right, you said you weren't going to do that." Or hey Bradley, you know if you start doing that, you're likely to get to get drunk. You're not going to be able to stop. So why don't you why don't you stop now? Something something like that. Bring an accountability partner alongside you, and that goes to any temptation or any struggle that we may have in life. If we want to have good self control, uh, have other believers. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend. Come alongside you uh, and constantly keep you accountable. Check up on you. Make sure you're living the right way. Make sure you're staying away uh, from that temptation and that sin. Because the longer you sit in temptation, the longer you put yourself in front of something, no matter how strong you may think you are, you're likely to fall. Because the more you're around temptation, that temptation starts growing, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then no matter how strong you are, that uh, human nature is going to pull you toward that sin. Uh, And so don't put yourself in in sinful uh, places. Don't put yourself in that temptation. Uh, The next one, and to me is maybe the hardest one out of all of these, besides love, is steadfastness. Which can also be translated as patience. It is hard to have patience in today's society. Uh, And and today's society is all about, you know, I want it now. If I want something, it needs to be here in the next day or two. You know, we have one day shipping, overnight shipping, because if I want something, I want it now. And one thing I had to learn this past year with patience was during football. Uh, and, and because my senior season was this past year, it ended a few weeks ago. And going into my senior season, I had started in field goal for the last two and a half years. And so I, I kind of thought, that, hey, I'll start in field goal again this year, and i I'd have a really good season athletically. Uh, and so I went into my senior season, uh, and they brought in a freshman kicker that was a very, very good kicker. Uh, he's a nice guy, too. And we competed all throughout camp. Uh, and I, I think it was the last day of camp, he actually beat me out for the position. So that made my senior season, there was going to be a freshman that started over me. Uh, and so I was really disappointed, like, God, this is not how I want my season to go. And again, it's not how I want my season to go. Because I, be, I want to have a good season athletically and, and end on a good note and say, okay, that's, that's it for me. But I trusted in God and said, well, God, if there's something bigger here, uh, show me that. Uh, God, show me what you want me to, to get out of this season. And I realized quickly that God wanted me to build relationships with the players on the team. He, he didn't put me there necessarily for athletic purposes. He put me there to grow with relationships with those on the team. So a lot of the guys on the team um, this year I built better relationships with than I had the previous three years. I took guys fishing on weekends. I would take guys um, uh, to out to eat for dinner. They would hang out in my dorm room. And and after some weeks went by, they started asking me questions about uh, the Bible, spiritual questions. So I got to disciple them. I got to tell them about my faith. They would open up to me about struggles they had back home. And a lot of them came from very, very rough home lives. And they would say, I don't don't know what God would say about this. I don't know what to do about this. And I was able to talk to him about that. So I realized through patience and and perseverance, this kind of steadfastness, that God's plan was better than mine. He had a bigger plan for me in football this year um, than uh, athletic purposes. And then by the end of the year, the football team actually voted me as the most spiritual guy on the team. Now, I'm not sure if I would've got that or not had I had focused focus on my plan of being you know, really good athletically and, and you know, maybe not worrying as much about relationships. But because God's will was to focus on relationships and I trusted in that and was patient with that, uh, now I have relationships that will probably last a lifetime and, I, and these guys know they can talk to me and I can talk to them. Uh, Next is godliness. And that means kind of just um, trusting God and building a relationship with Him throughout your life. Think about a relationship with Jesus as a marriage. If you only talk to your spouse on Sunday and Wednesday, you're going to have a pretty bad relationship with that spouse. But a lot of Christians believe it's the same way with Jesus. They believe we can come to church on Sunday and maybe on Wednesday. A lot of people just come on Sundays and think, okay, I'll talk to God on Sunday. I'll pray and I'll worship for an hour and then the rest of the week is mine. I mean, that's not true. Being a follower of Jesus, like I said earlier, is devoting your entire life to Jesus. It's giving every part of your life to him, which means you're in constant communication. You share your triumphs. You share your struggles. Although Jesus knows everything you're going through, he wants you to talk to him about it. If your husband or wife knew what kind of day you had, they still want you to talk to him about that. They still want you to communicate. Because That's how it builds up that relationship. It builds up trust. And so just like you would with your spouse, you share your good things and your bad things. Jesus wants you to do that as well. You know, he talks about in the Bible, he's in marriage with the church. And so think about that, that if you talk to your friends and your spouse, you know, three times more than you talk to Jesus, there's an issue there. You know, constantly be in communication with Jesus. Give him your entire life and uh, whatever you're going through, come to him before anybody else. And the last one is brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. The reason love is mentioned last, because love is the highest quality of God. And if you want to be a Christian, uh, and if you really have faith in Jesus and say, I'm going to follow Jesus, then you should exhibit love in your life. And the kind of love that God gives us. God gives us unconditional love. Then no matter what we've done or even will do in the future, God still loves us. And He still cares for us. And we're taught to have the same love toward other people. Now, what that means is that means not just loving those that you're comfortable with, not just loving those that uh, you're used to, or maybe you live close by, but loving those that are homeless, loving those that live a lifestyle maybe uh, that's not approving to God. I did a senior capstone project on um, urbanization uh, and how toxic waste zones affects urban neighborhoods. So I went around the St. Louis area to some of the urban neighborhoods there to take pictures. And when I was driving around, you would see houses just beat up, roofs kind of caving in, fences like tearing down, small backyards, these people have basically nothing. But yet, so many people are scared of the St. Louis area because of of crime rates or whatever else, and so they never go and help those people out. They never give them food. They never help them out with shelter. Uh, and, And they may say, hey, I'll pray for you. And that's good, we should pray for those people. But if all we do is pray for them and never actually try to help them out, are we really showing them the most love we can? Are we really showing them unconditional love? And that kind of goes for all areas of life. If you know a neighbor that is struggling with something, and if you only pray for them and you never actually try to help them out, then what kind of love are you showing to that person? Are you saying, I really care about you? Or, you know, I care, I care about you from a distance. It says in the Bible that what you do to the least of these, you do to Christ. And so however we treat those uh, that are low in society, that are poor, maybe come from rough home lives, If we just ignore them and pass them by on the road, then that's basically saying that we don't care about God's creation. We don't care about that person. And so as you go about your life and in the neighborhood, look to those you can help out and see what you can do to help. Maybe it's just say a kind word. Maybe it's sit down and actually pray with them. Maybe it's talk to them for a little bit. Or if you have resources to give, maybe give them some food or some shelter. Maybe give them some money to help them out. But do what you can to help them out. Show unconditional love to those around you. Uh, And so, uh, the next part of this passage talks about the reason we do these things. And it says in verse 9, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. A lot of Christians uh, will be living for God and doing everything right for years. And they stop stop reading God's Word. They stop praying daily. And they stop doing these things listed in 2 Peter. And when you stop doing these things, you start forgetting who who your Savior is, who your King is, who you're following. And so you start slipping into following the world again. And you start doing things that God doesn't approve of. And then when somebody looks at you, they don't know if you're a Christian or not. And then that that affects the entire Christian ministry. Because we have pastors... We have Christians out there today that aren't living by the Bible. We have Christians out there today that aren't trying to be in a relationship with Jesus. And so when people see those Christians, they say, why do I want to be a Christian? They live no differently than I do. So as Christians, we have to live set apart from the world. That means we don't follow the world. We follow Jesus. And when we live by these qualities listed in 2 Peter, that is how we truly follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus... We're a light into the world, this dark out there. And people see us and and realize, well, how do they have love? How do they have joy? How do they have this peace? It's because of Jesus. We can point them back to that. And so I want to leave you with this. Be excited to follow Jesus. Because following Jesus means we have eternal life. We have this Holy Spirit to guide us. We have all these great promises that God gives us. And that is awesome. So rejoice in that. But if you're going to say you follow Jesus, realize what that means. Realize that means giving your life to Him. It's not easy, but it's worth it. And live other things here in Second Peter. And I promise you, you'll have a fulfilling life here and on heaven. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.